You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 501. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. And uh, we are, we're still recuperating, David, from that massive 500th episode celebration that we did. <laughs> what a party that Man, was. Man, whoo. Yeah, That's three right. days in the desert. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> we, you, you're the one that picked the venue. I mean... No, and we don't even have a desert here in the UK. I know. We met in the middle in Saudi Arabia. Well, we 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 do have a we do have a town called Scunthorpe that's kind of like the desert. <laughs> I like the name Scunthorpe. Yeah, and it's spelt the way you think it is. It sounds like it would. We, we, there's a Lynch. There's a Lynchburg here in the US. I'm like, why? <laughs> really, Lynchburg. Yeah. Couldn't well, I, I mean, we have there are, there are websites with a whole load of the. Well, there's a hell, of Michigan. Yeah, there's a whole load of uh, whole load of, of dirty dirty place names in the UK. Kind of there's redundant, a, kind of yeah, to be honest. There's but. a there's a place that's probably about 25 miles from here, out out in the country called um, Peniston, and it's spelt the way you would think Peniston would be spelt. And you look at it. <laughs> in fact, the first time my wife saw it, when she first came up here to to live with me, we drove through it, and she literally couldn't stop laughing for half an hour. <laughs> so there you go. I just did a search for funny city names. The first one is Hell. Hell. Yeah. Hell. It's Michigan. It's not too far away from me. Um, there's actually a Batman. Huh. I guess there's a Batman city that's weird do you think everybody talks like this there truth or consequences new mexico hmm soda springs idaho i gave up soda so they'd I'd get kicked out yeah hmm. you have it completely oh yeah yeah i haven't had any soda in two and a half years now well, i remember you stopped drinking the the sugared stuff but i thought you were still on diet no, I gave up everything like two and a half years ago. Mm. It, it's so, it's fun. So here's the uh, well. Well, I'm I'm a big I like I've always drunk diet soda, but I do like soda, and we have the soda stream here in in the house. Yeah, you've talked about uh, it. Yeah, yeah, and it's one of my favorite things. But I <laughs> I found out just before Christmas. Apparently, there are some people who say that um, the soda stream doesn't do doesn't create the right kind of bubbles. And that actually, if you get from, uh, I think it's Arc or something like this, they make a soda machine that makes bubbles that are more like you get in a can, which are bigger. And they say small bubbles makes it taste sharp and pointy. And bigger bubbles is much more like a regular soda. And of course, you know, those new machines would be, if I was to buy one of those, and it works exactly the same way as the one I have, would be a couple of hundred pounds. So I'm not doing that. But uh, it does make you wonder. You know, and it just seems like every. Fish aren't meant to be in a box, kid. Sorry, I had to play bubbles from Finding Nemo. <laughs> it does make you wonder um, if, yeah, if every single, if if every single thing that gets invented, then somebody has to come along and say, "Oh, that's crap. I've got a better one." But here's yeah. more money. Yep. Well, I mean, I like bubbles too because I drank the uh, sparkling ice, classic lemonade, flavored mm-hmm. sparkling water, zero sugar right. with vitamins and a- antioxidants. So you've not given up soda? No, it's not. It's water. <laughs> you think it comes out of the ground with the carbon not got dioxide in it? Yeah, but they don't. They, they make it like that. It's just basically soda. No, it's I not. I mean, soda that's all, all soda is. It, all soda is is carbonated water and a, and a flavouring. And a whole bunch of shit in it. Yeah, but you haven't given up soda if you're drinking flavoured sparkling water. I have. It's not, it's not <laughs> soda at all. But sure it's not. Are, are you, uh, have you calmed down yet from the uh, excitement of CES? <laughs> I slept through it. I think most people did. I think even the people there slept through it. Um, um, you and I texted back and forth a little bit about this, but yeah. who the hell wants a transparent display? What's what's the point? I don't understand why well, this is. <laughs> so they're just, just grasping been... at straws. Like, oh my god, what? How can we get someone to buy a new TV? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, no, but it's standard. It's standard um, capitalist practice. It's you sell somebody something, and then. Uh, just like with my soda stream you then tell them oh yeah that thing you've got um that's no good anymore we've come up with something better so you need to replace it oh by the way because this has new technology it's going to cost a lot more money and this is this is what tv tv companies have done is they've basically said right we everyone's now spent um whatever they've spent on their tvs uh and of course as well prices have come down we've talked about that in the past now how can we get somebody to drop you know, well over a thousand dollars on a new TV. We need to tell them that what they have is terrible, and they need to be watching it this way. And this is one of the ideas they've come up with, which is a, a see-through TV. What I find interesting is they spent the last ten years telling us that every year's panel improvements has got deeper blacks, better contrast. You know, you really need to have the difference between those searing, high-definition colours, yeah, and an absolute inky, hell-like Michigan <laughs> black, right? And now, now they said, oh, yeah, you, you don't need contrast at all. Actually, what you need to be able to do is see light coming through your TV yes. like it's a window. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, the, I like the ca- fact, contrast doesn't matter anymore at all. I watched a couple of the demos from the spokesmen from Samsung and LG, who were the big two big ones for the transparencies. Yeah. One is, oh, we're the first of this one, and the other one was, we're the first of that one, and who cares? Um, they both have this system that a black screen will come up behind the TV if you actually want to watch TV on it. <laughs> I'm like, well, what else are you doing with it? And they will show, like... <laughs> Uh, well, look, it can look like a fish tank. Where you just get a fish tank? I mean, why why would I spend $8,000 so I can have a faux fish tank? A fish tank. And, 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 well, it's transparent so you can see what's behind it. There's a wall behind it. That's what's behind it, a wall. I don't want to see my wall. I want to because see whatever's on the screen. if you take a transparent TV and put it in front of a window, it makes it look even worse than if you put it in front of a wall. Because the light coming through it. They, they came it's up with like cool they don't technology. know how physics works. Well, it, they came up with a cool technology, but it, it's solving a problem nobody had. Yeah, and not only that as well. If if we look at the uh, announcement that took a lot of the heat out of CES this week, which was the availability of the Vision Pro. Yep. The Vision Pro has high-definition screens right in front of your eyes. And they've put a lot of technology in there to allow you to see behind your um what they're projecting in front of your eyes without it actually having light come through your eyes because they're goggles that aren't see-through and the reason they've done that is because they know if you make them see-through the picture's not as good they could have done that they could have had some sort of projection system over uh, a view of the actual real world but they didn't want to do that because they knew it makes the vision suck yeah i have a pair of those um ar style glasses that that show video and you know what they come with they come with a set of blinds that go over the glasses so that if you're in, if you're in a bright space it blocks out the light from behind so you can actually see what you're watching so you're absolutely right this is a, a solution to a problem nobody has and in fact the solution the eight thousand dollar solution to the problem creates more problems i don't it's, understand why they would come up with something that other than the the super tech people who want the latest and greatest and to show off to their buddies but won't actually use it because it's a terrible experience why anybody would want this i well, okay a hotel I, fine you get this big display in a hotel where it has or maybe an airport or something where it sh- it's displaying information that you can still see through um but this isn't like it's holographic or something you can walk through it no. it doesn't follow you around it's a giant screen that you can see through i do not see the point at all i could well, see it if they were small and they were used as like displays for like hey turn left here or for information that changes hey this track is down now you want to go to track 17 something yeah, but, like that but the problem is we can already do that without exactly. spending that sort of money on the display because yeah. heads heads up displays in cars and things like that which would use mirrors and prisms and things like that much much more convenient yep. to uh, use than uh, than these displays, and a lot cheaper already exist. So it, it's it it. I'll tell you why. It's because 
in a CES demo, it looks cool. Yeah. I mean, they've literally done it for PR purposes. But a, I don't. What I, right. yeah. what I don't understand is why these companies don't do what the what the car companies do, which is introduce something as a concept, but then say, "But well, you can't buy it. It's just a concept." Right. No, here's Gage some, the demand, yes. and then decide whether you're going to manufacture it, rather than churn out a few thousand of them that are going to sit in warehouses and end up being thrown away. Here's what I think is going to be a big comeback in the next two years, and they had a couple of them like this, and it's the only things that got my attention, and that when it comes to the televisions, anyways. And uh, that those is personal. Those personal waffle makers. Yes. Yeah? Well, that goes without saying, David. I mean. <laughs> um, Televisions is furniture again. Yeah. I think that is ripe for a comeback. I think people are a little tired of a big screen hanging on a wall. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the original televisions up through the 80s and 90s, um, they were, for, well, in the 80s and 90s, they were, you know, dark gray boxes that you would put on something else. But before that, the television itself was a piece of furniture. You might have one with a record player in it and built giant big speakers on each side and they were really you know the art deco look the ones that had these skinny little legs and a round body but the tv was still you know rectangular yeah um those were cool looking you see that stuff every now and then on facebook or ebay or something and you're like oh that's that that was really cool looking i think that kind of funky uh postmodern type of look is going to make a big comeback and i think more people are going to be interested in decorating their house where they can move the TV wherever they want rather than having to stick it on the one wall because that's the only wall that doesn't have windows and you can put a big screen TV on it rather than a smaller yeah. one with its own legs um, that's maybe height adjustable but looks cool, is a cool looking thing rather than just a big flat nothing on your wall. Well, Think about one I, that could have a big screen TV say 52 inches but on each side is smaller screens that don't do anything unless you want them to maybe one is a music controller maybe one is i I don't know but just different something different these these uh well many one could be a a smart home controller exactly i was i was just about to say many of us have like an amazon device or a google device with a screen on it in our kitchen dining rooms bedrooms that sort of thing so you could build that into the TV. Um, but not part of the main a, display. So you could be watching part, TV yeah, yeah. and then this pops up where and it's, then, it, and then it's you, automatic. Yeah. If, if your doorbell rings, that little screen on the TV next to the big screen, yeah. it's not part of it, pop, shows yeah, up what's up, on the doorbell. Pop. Exactly. And, the, and just in the same way you were talking about information. I mean, many people have kind of dashboards that show the weather for the day the news headlines you often see this in office buildings and things like that you could have that in your room i know the the hobbyist a very popular hobbyist project is to build those smart mirrors with a raspberry pi yeah where they put a put a um a a, dis, a display behind a mirror yeah uh, so you can see it through the mirror and you know you're shaving and brushing your teeth in the morning and what have you make doing your makeup and you've got the headlines you've got the weather you might have um yeah you can have that on your television and you could have that, yeah, as a side of your television. That would be... Or your phone rings, you're watching TV, it just shows up on one of those smaller screens yeah. on the TV. And also as well, if you want to do a video call, you can do it on a screen at the side of the TV. Yeah, so the, your boss's yeah. nose isn't the size of your head in front of you. Yeah, exactly. Um, see, and But see, all that kind of stuff comes not from one that hangs on a wall, but that's a yeah. functional piece of furniture. Yeah. Uh, and, and I remember back in the 80s, I in particular bang and olufsen used mm-hmm. to do very stylish tvs that that you know they had a design aesthetic to them that made them desirable for the way they looked as well as what they did what we have now with tvs mostly is <laughs> is a, a big flat rectangle mm-hmm. um with as and and in fact the design choice has been to get as much um, screen space and as little bezel as possible on everything yep. and so so they have nothing you can see and um, yeah I, I can I can see an aesthetic going going for that I do I must admit this is a bit of an annoy, annoying thing that annoys me whenever I read any review of anything nowadays the tech press they always talk about the width of the bezels yeah <laughs> and, and they yeah oh, it's, it's got yeah the bezels are too wide and it's just like who cares nobody cares because 
you might pick it up and as a review go oh the bezel's too wide look they're an inch something like that. once you're actually using the thing and you're looking at what's on the screen you're not the looking bezels, at the bezel yeah the bezels disappear it doesn't matter if you've got a laptop with big bezels or a tablet with big bezels in fact with a tablet i'd say bezels probably make sense because it gives you something to hold on to the thing without having your fingers over the screen so yeah, i think right. that that's going to be at least i hope it is because let's bring a little bit of style back to technology i've been complaining about phones forever that they're all the same you know, android yeah. and it's just size and definition of the screen but otherwise they're very boring uh, from a, an aesthetic standpoint um, I and think, I don't care yeah. how much glass and how much titanium and all that shit, because we all put cases around them anyways. As a point of fact, a, a, an iPhone flew out of a jet at like 30,000 feet, landed, and <laughs> it still worked fine. There was nothing wrong with it. It worked it, fine, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't because um, of Apple's craftsmanship. It was because of the case it was in. So, you know what? It's, so that, that Here's another aside here. I, I, I think I mentioned a couple of months ago that my company decided not to renew the phones this year, and so I've been stuck with a, an old iPhone 13 mini. And because it's already got marks on it, and it's got scratches on the display, but to be honest with you, you can't see them when the display is on. So yeah, I've got one on my phone yeah. too. Yeah. So I've I I decided I was going to use it without a case, and so I've been literally carrying it just the phone. You're it's going amazing raw dog, how, huh? Amazing how different the iPhones. It make you make it makes you realise how much mass and bulk the cases add, even a thin one. Yeah. Uh, and it really is much nicer without a case. In fact, I'm thinking to myself, the next one I buy, I'm not. Uh, next one I get, I won't put a case on it just because it's so much nicer. I might put a skin or something like that on it to at least give it a, an outside protection from the scratches. But I, you know, I, I'm I'm willing to risk dropping it. Yeah, well, and cracking it. You know, so. it, it does feel a lot smaller in your pocket. Oh, it's or in it's your hand. Amazing. Yeah. So that was CES. It's all about the televisions. There was a couple other things that were announced, but almost nothing that anyone listening well, to this hears. Well, so, yeah, the other thing is everything was AI. Mm-hmm. And everything was stupid AI because, let's face it, there isn't really much clever AI. And definitely the sort of AI you point to things at CES. I hate calling it AI. It's, it's not AI. Yeah, it's not AI. Well, the, you know what? The, the, the problem is a lot. I, I, I suspect this is what was going on. Is a lot of people were saying, oh, if it does anything algorithmically, we'll tell them it's AI, even if it isn't. So if you have a fridge that um, keeps track of how, how old your milk is uh, and then puts a, has a display in the front that says, oh, but you might want to buy more milk, that's AI. That's not, that's not a computer, that's AI. Just because the industry has decided that you've got to, everything's got to be branded AI this year, otherwise nobody will buy it. And I don't want AI on my fridge. I don't even want a computer in my fridge, but I certainly don't want AI on my fridge. I don't want to pay for AI or a computer on my fridge. If if the choice is this one for a thousand dollars or that one for a thousand dollars, but the one over here on my right has a screen that shows me if something's expired, and the other one doesn't, I'll probably get the one with the screen. Yeah, it's the same price. Yeah, if it's that's not, what I'm saying. I don't want to pay for yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and actually, actually, I don't want to pay $1,000 for a fridge, so I would probably get the much, much cheaper one that doesn't have any of that stuff on yeah. and just does what fridge is meant to do, which is keep things cool. Yeah. And I'll worry about how, how old the stuff inside is. Yeah, it's... You know, the, yeah, it's the so old sniff test. That was CES. And, right, and hey, here's, here's, here's an idea. That, now, I would pay for this. If it was a fridge that had an AI artificial nose... So that instead of me having to sniff the milk and decide whether it's off, I, I put it in front of the fridge's nose and the fridge smells it and tells, tells me whether it thinks it's off. Now, that I would pay for because then I don't have to run the risk of smelling milk that's gone bad. I mean, <laughs> that, that would be kind of nice. It would, yeah. You wave, wave a plate of two-day-old steak underneath it and go, will this kill me <laughs> if I eat it? because i'm hungry and there's nothing else here and i don't want to go out now that is that see this is what this is what we need we need to be consulting with these companies and giving them real technology ideas i'm looking at um the verge's best of ces yeah. best wearables the ev ring 
Um, oh, they yeah, they went on. I, in fact, I read their article and it kind of came across like they were paid by that company. To yeah, I'm looking at it. Article. I'm like, well, who wants it's that? Ab- it's absolutely no. Well, look, smart rings are a thing. The uh, what's is it? Ura. I don't know. Is it is it? And they smart rings are for people who don't want to wear a smartwatch and yet still want to have a little bit of health tracking, sleep tracking, something. Like that. There's a market for that, and I know that Ura in particular were very good at promoting them to celebrities. So that there was a whole Instagram thing a couple of years ago about celebrities who were wearing these smart rings. But the reality is, is that most people buy a watch instead of a ring because it's more functional and they can see stuff on it. Um, but there's a market for that. But but this new one, to me, seems to be identical to all the others. So I really don't understand why The Verge got so excited over it. Uh, and reading their story, I read the entire thing. I, I couldn't see why how it was different from any of the others, apart from the fact that they're a new startup and it, oh, it did I, come, come across. I missed this one. I don't know how I missed this one. Kohler, wow, this one should have been product of the year so far. It's a $10,000 e-ink toilet. An e-ink toilet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Voice control, a bidet. Of course. Speakers, and motion-activated seat. Right. So where where does the e-ink come in? Uh, It's wrapped in e-ink panels with 10 different shifting designs. Uh, (laughs) So it's like a predator. Uh, You walk into the bathroom and it disappears. Yes. Where's the toilet gone? It's, It's... Honey, have you got the remote for the toilet? I can't find it again. <laughs> what? Because nobody in the history of the world has looked at a toilet and gone, you know what I need? It's I need a, to be able to redecorate that on a whim. <laughs> it's it's a it's a rectangle though. Uh, it's a I rectangle. guess yeah, I guess they didn't get the uh whole human human anatomy part of college uh, well no well, well from plenty of the hotels i've stayed in is uh, is high-end designer toilets are often rectangular and they're often, terrible uh, yeah um but they didn't well, yes, have yeah, e, you, so you, i mean <laughs> or speakers <laughs> now what what i don't want is a microphone in there that would be bad well but no, again, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean what, what, they, what they're trying to do there is they're, they're trying to say, well, some people like to listen to music in the bathroom, so let's put the speakers in the toilet, which, you know, I, I mean, most of the noises come from the toilet. Not only are they, are they not terribly pleasant, you can play your bubbles again thing again if you want. It's got voice um, control. But, but um, you know, when you hear the noises that come from a flushing toilet, you don't think, oh, that sounds sonically so exciting. It sounds boomy and wet and so <laughs> the idea of your music coming from the toilet i don't think is is a great idea and, and not only that as well we all know that everybody who wants to listen to music or anything like that on the toilet uses their phone <laughs> what they need is a sanitizer for your phone on the toilet see again we've got all the ideas here if you had something so that when you finish using the bathroom yeah you put your phone in it and it would sanitize it before you left left the bathroom having used it on the toilet i think that would be uh, that would be a, a gangbuster seller hmm but e-ink definitely not a lot of people are talking about the rabbit r1 it's it sold out as well uh, but i i must say all the articles i read about it didn't really explain what it did and how it did it they well, just kind the of said <laughs> no one Apparently, really knows what it is it's an ai for your apps it's, it's a 2.88 inch color touchscreen on the front yeah but what does it do well it's an ai for your apps is is what is the best description i could find of it so in in some way it uses ai to get information from your other apps and display them on this thing um and <laughs> i just look at it and i just think well what <laughs> why not again it's we, we've talked about this before it's competing with your phone where all the apps live and you can see all the information from your apps on your phone and if you want to see four or five different apps at once you can do widgets that will let you do that so well, what is on a this tiny for? little screen on a tiny little screen in a device that you have to charge and carry separately. Uh, and plus there's a whole AI cloud thing, which means that whatever apps it's showing, presumably they're looking at all your data. 
unsafe. I, I, I don't. I didn't understand it. But the thing is, is apparently it sold out straight away. And oh well, um, yeah, because it's two hundred dollars, and there's a lot of dumb people out there. <laughs> I, yeah. I I don't. It's weird. Yeah, and they got That's best quite, gadget. Yeah, but but. They've, nobody's explained what it does. I mean, I think this is the problem with CES now. I mean, it's always been a bit. It of a looks problem. cool. It's don't get me wrong, dude. But yeah. I, I don't know if I don't know yeah. what it does. But have you have you never noticed though that um, people go to see all these different news organisations go to CES and they all report on the same seven or eight things. Nobody, you know, if, apart from the e ink toilet, which I've got to admit I'd not come across before, but most mostly. Everybody reports on the same seven or eight things. Uh, this year, it was the transparent TV. It was the oh, that the R one thing. Um, quite a lot of people covered the Hyundai car that could go sideways. Yeah. Um, you know all the AI stuff that got covered. I mean, certainly Samsung's AI stuff got covered to death, right? And it's all the everyone's reporting about the same stuff. And you think this is CS? It's full of literally thousands of booths with all sorts of different things and yet everyone's reporting the same thing and you look at that and the cynical person thinks oh those are the ones who are giving out the best gifts or um, fronting up the most hotel rooms to get coverage well as a company mymac.com covered macworld for many years and for many years we had the biggest presence at the show now we never did best of or anything like that because well stupid it's stupid um but we always had you know articles and pictures and video bringing you a lot of the stuff that was uh at macworld and there were times where you're talking to someone that you know all they really cared about was were we giving away awards something that they could put in their booth and i i never played that game i was like no we don't do that we're just covering it so our readers or our listeners or our viewers can look at it and make up their own mind if this is something. We give them, you know, 30-second, 40-second soundbite on the video stuff that we used to do or in the podcasts because we do a lot of, you know, in-booth interviews with these companies. You go back, you know, 10 years and listen to some of the MyMac.com podcasts that we did back then, and we covered a lot of stuff. I don't see any of that kind of coverage at, no, it's, any all, of these it's all big the same. Websites. This is the problem. It's all the same articles about the same things. And or if they I, do video, no, it's, it's like, hey, we wanted to find who has the smallest screens, and it's like nobody gives a shit. Why don't you go yeah. to the booth and actually show the stuff that you're seeing in the booth, and and not just the big LG or Samsung or ThinkBook, but go to the smaller booths that nobody is covering, that's making small little products products that could actually benefit people that is affordable and looks cool tell us about those things because that was always the thing i was interested in yeah we've mocked the e-ink toilet but um actually at least that's something a bit different um and um i i see the verge's coverage it didn't make their main coverage it was a tiktok video and an instagram video Right, and the problem, and this is this is another problem. The Verge is particularly uh, guilty of this, Egregious. which is they don't put everything on their website. No, they 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 put it on all sorts of different places, and then they'll just put a little link to it with a with a couple of words on. Yeah, right. And maybe I'm interested in hearing about in understanding the e-ink toilet, but I don't want to go to Instagram and I don't want to watch a TikTok video. I actually want words in an article, like all the other coverage they do. And um, you know they decide, and and it, you know it just you know then that it's about them pumping their social media engagement rather than actually informing the consumer. Um, and that's what that's one of the things that kind of irritates me. And then when I go to the BBC, which is a mainstream news organisation, and they've basically covered the same CES products that everyone else has. Yeah. I just think, well, what's the point? Yeah. What is the point? They're all um, covering the same it, shit. It's interesting. You know, we we lost uh, we lost the consumer uh, not the you know, what's what's the game show that that finally finally died a death this last year. I don't know um, the the thing that replaced Comdex. Uh, big game know. show in the middle of the year. Anyway, yeah, they they finally announced that they weren't going to do it anymore. Um, I I have to wonder, you know, 
with a C C S. Is that going to go the same way? No. Um, the tech world has to have something like this because they have to have, you know, a, a big week where they show all their new stuff. It, it's it's well, in their DNA. Yeah. But what happened this year is that two days into that big week where they're showing all that stuff, Apple announced the shipping date for the Vision Pro and everyone started talking about that. Uh, and all the options around the Vision Pro and how's that going to work. And But um, Apple's one of those took, companies that doesn't need a CES. Yeah, but I don't, th- I don't think a lot of these big companies need a CES. I think they could just as easily do, the, do, the, do it the same way Apple does without having to go to big shows and show off dumb products. Like but I would TVs. I would suggest Rabbit RI does need a CES because uh, without maybe. CES you and I never would have heard anything about it. When well, when the Steam Deck came out, that came out at CES. That was first announced there, and everyone was talking about it. Or was that the other place? Doesn't matter. But it was because of the. I think there is definitely still a place for these big, uh, you know, cons, if you will, conventions. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there is a place for that. And I loved going to conventions. I really did. I hated the travel. I hated the hotel. I hated the rigmarole around it. But during the event itself, I loved it. I, I loved going right. to Macworld Expo. And and it and it brings more of a personal feeling um, in coverage when it's a person there doing it right. I don't think The Verge or um, <clears throat> Engadget or any of them are doing it correctly. But regardless of that, I think that... The press showing up, good press showing up, and actually showing you stuff the way we used to do it at my Mac. Um, I think there's a huge value to that. I really I do. Think, I think part of the problem with CES is that it's so large. Um, everyone feels like they have to cover the what they what they consider to be the big stories, which is that their editors telling them, "Well, we, we need to know about the seven or eight things that everyone else is talking about." Yes. Um, and and then they don't want they don't have the the time or the interest to do anything else yeah i agree um, with you so it kind of invalidates the concept in some way there will be literally thousands of companies who presented but who had booths at ces who got virtually no coverage at all and it, it, in that case what was the point of them being there yeah well <laughs> they're know. hoping that they become the hot flavor of the week and everyone covers them well, that's what I, know, I know for. there's a i know ces is also used for a lot of um buyers you know, buying, and yes. buyers and stuff like that but you know, I, I have to wonder whether they could do that without having a show of that type. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Some retail is not the way it used to be, so I grant you that, but yeah. I don't know. I, I still think there's a place for it. I just don't know if it needs to be as big as CES because yeah. it's a little all encompassing. When it broke it out, you know, the PCs had their show and Apple had their show and the I think that's probably more useful, but I don't know if I, look, they're not doing the the uh, the video game show anymore? Um, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah they've, but they've stopped doing that. But but that's I think that's because the video game companies have finally realised that actually doing it the Apple way, where they have these um, these online presentations, gets them more coverage for far less money than yes. going to those shows are. Yeah, um, you know Nintendo. But it's a lot easier to show a video game footage on a streaming platform than it is, yes. you know. The, the newest TVs or toasters or what have you. And, and to be honest with you, I, I reckon the way video games are going to go is that it won't just be showing stuff. I think with the development of streaming technologies, they will be able to offer playability to journalists and yeah. to people covering it in the future as when they make an, an yep. announcement. Yep. You know? So you talking about video games. Um, you've got a handheld that you wanted to talk about. Uh, I did. I, um, I went on a bit of an eBay jag over christmas gotta be honest uh and i spotted something that i'd always fancied having but never wanted to pay what they were charging for it and um i spotted on ebay going for literally for a song it was it was for for very little so i bought it and um i'm quite impressed with it actually it's the atari blaze handheld blaze is the company who makes it and blaze are the people behind a lot of the um the retro uh, the retro systems that you can buy nowadays and they do a lot whole load of tabletop and and that sort of things as well and they are also the people behind the uh, evercade which is the the one where you can put uh, cartridges with about five or ten different games on so um and this was something they did a few years ago and it's kind of cool looking because plastic as it is 
it's styled to look like a retro Atari VCS in a handheld form. And it looks and like it, a uh, very simplified NES controller with the screen in the middle. Well, yeah, but it, you see, it's got the it's got the um, the wood effect plastic, yeah, uh, and, and the black thing, so and the orange buttons. So it it, it kind of has a a vibe and ridges on it so it looks like the original wooden atari vcs and it is designed for 2600 games um that's what it comes with and it comes with 60 built in um and you know we all know how these systems work is it you turn it on and you get a carousel list of the cartridges titles and you hit button you play them um the interesting thing about this one they did two versions they did one with 50 games in and then they did this one which has got 60 on it but this one also has an sd card slot um and so you can put the sd card uh, games on the sd card and you can play everything that they made for the 2600 it runs 5200 games as well but not well some of them run too fast the emulator's not that great for that um and it, you know it runs off four triple a batteries it's tiny you know it's the size of a a game boy uh landscape aspect but you know it's it's a real nostalgia thing it's not something you would i think originally these were going for about 50 60 pounds here there's none there's on no, ebay that i can see right now well there's no, one that's well, not working and the guy wants 32.95 or best offer right yeah well uh, what's the point of buying a not working one then you're not gonna be able to get parts for this but um, um you know, the actually sp- i think sp- you could probably fix it pretty easily but is this a a resistor or a transformer something popped in it yeah i don't i don't know whether it's a it could well be that inside this is a tiny little circuit board that you can't do anything on um that's not usually what goes bad it's usually a resistor or something like that that's gone bad or a bad trace or you know if, if you have like the equipment that i got for christmas um you can open it up and put under microscope and probably fix it fairly simply if you know how to read a voltmeter and you know yeah but this this came out as a result of atari the atari corporation as is now and their recent drive towards um, licensing everything licensing everything out but you know what it's actually quite a nicely made unit the controls are okay for a a joypad and buttons and obviously 2600 games don't really require very much um the dog agrees the dog the dog agrees um it, and one thing is nice is you you can it has an av out so you could actually hook this up to a um with the right cable it doesn't come in the box but you could hook this up to a tv if you wanted um it's it's a very nice little nostalgia system if you remember the 2600 um and who doesn't because they're making it again although a crappy version <laughs> well that yeah, yeah well that, that that's it they have a i've already seen on ebay um systems that basically give you a cartridge that you put an sd card in so you can get all the games oh of course yeah that's not surprising <laughs> i mean that was but, only but as time. I, yeah as i say uh, as as i think when we talked about the uh the 2600 plus last time is that it, it's the same as one of these it's running an emulator it's not hardware re-implementation so i would say if you want 2600 games emulate them and don't buy a a new system for it just for those no. um you can play it. Well, all you got to do is go to Internet Archive, and they've got most of them there. You can play yeah. right on your browser. And, and for this, I wouldn't have bought it if it if it hadn't been the version with the SD card because I want more games than they're available on here. Internet um, Archive. Oops. Yeah, there's the there's on the Internet Archive. There's, there's a there's a thing there that basically has every single twenty six hundred game um, an archive there. Yeah, it doesn't say how many there are. Actually, the only ones that it's missing is very few but then it looks like it's got pretty much everything yeah um, uh, and you know this this has a lot of uh, this has a fairly decent mix built in um but then there's an i mean there's no there's no activision games on here because it's an atari sponsored thing um and one of the other things is that like for instance the original atari pac-man which frankly nobody should play because it's a terrible terrible port um because of the way they did the ghosts in that game using flickering sprites oh it's terrible um, well yeah but the problem is on a if you're not doing that on a crt without the um the persistence you get from the crt what happens is the ghosts frequently just disappear and you can't see them which makes it quite difficult to play as you might imagine um so it's not perfect 
Uh, you'd have thought they'd have kind of caught that and fixed that when they were putting this thing together, but obviously not. Um, but, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's very, very much a nostalgia play, but nostalgia nostalgia sells. I'm not, I'm actually, I actually quite like this. It's quite, quite a neat little system. They've got... I'm looking at the Internet Archive. They've got... Um, I don't know what it's called. Uh, Internet Arcade. And they've got just... A whole bunch of games. Sega, Namco, Konami. Yeah. A lot a of lot, stuff you that, can play right online. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean an awful lot of, of sites that do that sort of stuff now. Um, uh, and yeah, if you sat at a computer, obviously you can emulate pretty yeah, much. Yeah, I, I just went to 1942, yeah. and yeah. it launches it, and... I don't know how to play anything. Yeah. I'm sure it has uh, instructions, but it it literally launched it right on my screen. Yeah. But you, you see, the thing is, you used to be able to get all these sorts of 2600 games and an emulator on the iPhone, which meant you could always have them with you and fiddle around with them if you're, you know, you're on a bus or a train journey and you just wanted to get a quick, quick bit of gaming nostalgia. But um, all that stuff has disappeared now, and so you are... If you want to have these games on the go you have to have something to play them on um as i say i was quite pleased with this if you can pick it up for for not much money it's uh, and you you remember the 2600 and you want to play 2600 games it's amazing looking at all of the games that are available <clears throat> the stuff that came out before close to the crash it's amazing what what performance they could get out of the 2600 compared to the original games. Well, they, yeah, it took them a while to, to learn how to program for it and its yeah, limitations. But, but I mean, they're the still end, coming out with games now. Yeah, but by the end of it, they were doing games that, that were incredible considering the very, very ancient hardware it was running on. Um, the C64 Mini is coming out now. Well, that's been what's available for one? a few years. Right. Yeah. So what's but the, the new one? A new one that, the new one is for the Atari 400. Oh, that's what it was. The Atari yeah. 400. The Atari 400. And um, this was announced at CES, funnily enough. Though, again, I think they could have announced it elsewhere and they would have had enough coverage. i got to be so honest with you. Um, I've always thought the Atari 400 was probably one of the ugliest. Um, it, it was. It, yeah. I, I just thought it was an ugly computer. It was it was much more capable than many of the computers it competed with in the day. Yeah. Um, um, but yes, you're right. It was because the the 400 was, well, both of the systems, the 400 and the 800, they were designed to be like a bridge between consoles and computers. Yes. So, so they they kind of looked like an Apple II, with a slot in the top, and the slot in the top had a cartridge slot, and you could just put cartridges in for people who didn't want to program or load anything and then they you know they had a basic and a keyboard and all of that for people who wanted to do you know proper home computing type stuff the um, 400 the, had the membrane computer the 800 had yeah, an actual the four yeah the 400 was cost reduced and that's why i had a membrane keyboard and i don't know i've never used one so i don't oh, know if that terrible. membrane keyboard was was any good no yeah, it not. wasn't it wasn't like modern touch things which are capacitive it actually was resistive so you had to press down on each thing yeah i had the i had the um there's the uh, sinclair zx81 computer which had the same sort of thing and it was hard work yeah definitely they're um, they're terrible so um this company um this retro company who does these things so we've talked about the c64 before and it's like a it's like a mini reproduction of the commodore 64 yeah i've got one and it runs yeah and it runs an emulator you got the upgraded one with an actual keyboard I did. I bought that over Christmas because I was playing with my C64 and I thought, you know what, I really want the one with the keyboard. And uh, again, managed to pick one up for not much money. And the keyboard makes a big difference because many of the sort of C64 games I want to play actually have keys on the keyboard. Um, that you Which makes use. sense. And I mean... Yeah, because cause it came with the keyboard. And so, obviously, yeah, there were controls on there. Um, and... Um, so anything slightly more complicated than an arcade game tends to use the keyboard and uh, it's a lot easier the advantage of the C64 Maxi as, I, as many people call it but the one with the keyboard is it has slightly more powerful hardware in it um, and you can get this system it, it works on the Mini as well to be fair uh, from this I, th- I forget I forget what the guy's name is he's, he's not English um, and his documentation shows that um, but it's called PCUAE, 
and that stands for Project Carousel Ultimate Anniversary Edition. That's right. Um, and what he's basically done is he's, he's created uh, a separate firmware for these devices that runs off a USB stick and allows you to... And, th- and then he loads it with pretty much every game for those systems. And then it means that instead of having the carousel of 64 games that comes with these devices, um, you've got everything, every game they, that ever was ever made. And then he's also taken advantage of the ho- hardware to the fact that you can s- switch it to different modes. So on the C64 with the keyboard you can turn it into an Amiga or an Atari 400 or um, a couple of other systems and then also access those games as well um, and it's complete. the way he's implemented it is very very neat in that you put your USB key in and it boots off that but if you take the USB key out it just basically reverts back to being a stock machine so it's kind of nice it's a little bit slow and clunky but it, it, you know, it does give you access to every single game for these systems that was ever made available which I would imagine most people buying them would want. So I'll be interested to see. They, they The same company does an Amiga version, the A500, um, and now they've got this Atari 400 Mini coming this year. And I've seen their roadmap, and their roadmap talks about several other um, mini and keyboard devices coming over the next couple of years. I suspect the next keyboarded one will be the Amiga again, and they'll do a, a bigger Amiga 500 with a working keyboard on it. Um, and again, the I have the A500, and you really need to have a keyboard on there because most of the Amiga games, again, had controls on the keyboard. You, the the tiny ones you can plug, they've got loads of USB ports. You can plug USB keyboard in and that sort of thing. But if you're kind of plugging in a keyboard, a joystick, a USB, you've then got to do power and everything like that onto this tiny little box that looks like a Commodore 64. You might as well have the big one, to be honest. I'm... Uh well, let me pull it up here. Uh, I got something. It's been a long time since I talked about. It. I'm I'm still part of uh, Amazon Vine, mm-hmm. and they you know they offer products for review. And I got the Yumi Digi G2 Tab Tablet, Android 13 tablet. Um, right. This costs eighty six ninety nine. Mm. And it's pretty terrible. Um, if I could yep. just put it to sleep itself to sleep, I just it has two cameras on the back. And what I like is it says AI camera. The hell is that? An AI camera? It's an AI camera, obviously. So I just took a picture with the AI camera, and it is awful. Holy shit, what is it doing now? It's downloading updates. So we're just going to turn this thing off. Um, it looks like... Oh, what was the HP thing? You remember the HP tablet back in the day? Oh, yeah, the touchpad. Yeah, it looks like a touchpad. Yeah. Um, the screen... Probably been right at home in 2008, maybe? Yeah. 2009 era? Uh, the camera, um, I was taking better pictures on my G3 iPhone. Uh, it, it is just well, god-awful. Yeah, it's, it's $80. Um, they, they have them here in the UK for 80 quid, mm-hmm. uh, with plus a 10% voucher, because why not? Yep. So this is, obviously, this is one of these companies that's putting, putting these things together in Chinese factories um, down to a cost. Um you're probably getting some nice Chinese spyware on there as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, does it? Is this one? Does this one run Google Play? Is it all for yes. that? Mm-hmm. All right, okay. So that's something. Uh, I mean, this is the market. The, the the market this is going for are people who might go out and buy like kind of an Amazon Fire, but perhaps don't want the app, the restrictions of Amazon, so they go and buy one like these. You know, and. Uh, I think there's a place for something like this. If you if you want to give a cheap tablet to a kid who wants to play games and watch a couple of videos and that sort of thing, then and and you you're not going to cry too much if they break it or lose it. Then this there might be a place for this. But it's um, I mean I mean it's def- definitely very much the bottom end of the market. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to play with this some more. See what I can do with it. Um, but here's the thing, right? And and this is sometimes what I what kind of 
get something. I saw an article this morning about the um, Vision Pro saying that actually if you look at the cost inflation adjusted price of the original Mac, it was twice the price of the Vision Pro. Uh, and you know they can they can't draw the comparison. You know maybe if the Vision Pro is as tr- transformative as everyone hopes, then it it won't. People will uh, you know later on will go. Oh maybe it wasn't that expensive for what it delivered. Yeah, but I think I think it misses the the wider point is that if you'd have take it if you could take that tablet you have there, right, and send it through a time portal back to your twelve year old self. Yeah, you would think apart from the fact obviously that. No, back in the in the uh, early 80s it wouldn't work because there was no internet there was no wi-fi or anything but assuming you can magically fix that you're like doctor who and you wave your sonic screwdriver over it so it connects to the universal time internet or something you would be amazed at that tablet about how brilliant it was compared to what we were spending far far more money on back in the 80s yep right and yet, and yet, and if you then said to your twelve year old self, "Oh, by the way, this costs seventy dollars," yeah, you just wouldn't believe it. You would go, "No, surely this has got to be like at least a thousand dollars." You know, you you could be, but it, it it's got cameras on it and it can record video, and and you can interact it by touching it, and it's got a really really high resolution screen where you can't see any of the dots in the pixels. And all of that, and you, and you, you, you and, it, and it's got more, it's got more, more storage than the Pentagon in this one tablet, yeah. And you'd gone, and it was seventy dollars. You would have been amazed, and yet now we're going, oh, it's a bit, a bit crappy for seventy. Yeah. So with that revelation, we're going to wrap up this episode <laughs> of Tech Fan. Uh, we'd appreciate some feedback. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com. and you can find us, of course, on Facebook. And uh, who cares about? the other one because I, I don't post there anymore on the the tech fan uh account just the my mac account i um, i would i would just a shout out i am on mastodon so if people want to find me on mastodon i am david david b cohen at uh twit.social i think it's my mastodon address but you we're, we're on we're on the my mac stuff on mastodon too but um, all right okay <clears throat> i should follow uh, we'll, that then yeah you should we'll be uh We'll be back next week with the Geeks Pub. Uh, we're going to be talking about Echo. Uh, yeah. Battlestar Galactica looking like it's getting another, yet another reboot. And uh, quite a few other things. I, I, I watched an awful lot. I caught up an awful lot of stuff over Christmas. Awesome. So all the thing, things I missed. So there are, there are Put conversations a, to be had. Show notes. Show notes, yeah. Show notes. See you then, David. See you then. Bye. <laughs>